Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This story belongs to my sister. Back in 2009, my then 21-year-old sister was living alone after getting into a fight with my parents. She worked as a waitress while going to school, so obviously money was scarce. She was living on the not-so-great side of town in an apartment complex that, from afar, looked okay. But things got weird once you took a step closer. It was one of those two-floor South Florida buildings that had maybe five units occupied. That would have been five out of 20. The rest were in such bad shape that they couldn't be rented. We're talking about holes in the roof, broken pipes, things of that nature. One night, my sister is getting home around 11 p.m. after her shift was done, and she notices this old van parked in one of the spots next to the stairs that she would have to take to get into her apartment. I guess natural instincts kicked in because she decided not to use these stairs, instead using the other set of stairs on the other side of the building. She had to walk across the entire parking lot to reach these stairs. But as she reaches the other stairs and is heading up to her apartment, she looks back at the van and realizes that there's two people sitting in it, just sitting there in the dark, looking directly at her. She gets the feeling that now's a good time to hurry up and sort of sprint to her apartment. By now, she sees that these two men have gotten out of the van and they've begun running up the stairs next to their van in what looks like an attempt to catch her. Her apartment is so close to those stairs that by the time she's near her doorway, the men are only two flights from her, a mere 15 steps if we're being generous. She turns around and begins running back towards the stairs that she had just come up from. By the time she's heading down, the men are still in hot pursuit and gaining steps on her. She knew that she couldn't run back across the parking lot because they would have caught her eventually. So instead, when she hit the landing at the bottom of the stairs, she headed towards the back of the building, hoping to jump a fence or find some other means of safety. When she hits the corner of the building, she realizes that unfortunately, the fence was way too high, and she obviously wasn't going to make it. So scanning her surroundings, she spots all the way in the corner, there's a big dumpster that has a lock on it. She runs towards it, hoping to use the dumpster as a ladder and then jump the fence from there. But just as she reaches the dumpster, flings herself on top of it, the entire lid collapses under her weight, and she falls into the dumpster. As her body comes to rest, she can hear the guys turning into this area and saying she must be inside of one of these apartments. It's important to remember that they were abandoned, and some didn't even have windows. So they start calling out to her, telling her to present herself, 
and that she shouldn't be scared. She's inside the dumpster, holding the cover up with her hands from the underneath, making it look as if it were closed. They get near it. She can hear their steps. But since the dumpster appeared locked, I guess they didn't even try to pull up on the lid. It was this innocent lock holding this thing together that saved my sister's life. Had they pushed the whole thing up, it would have fallen apart, and my sister would have been exposed and been victim to whatever they had planned. They went inside all of the apartments. She could hear them rummaging. The whole thing must have gone on for 30 to 45 minutes before the guys eventually gave up and left. My sister didn't move, though. She stayed concealed in that dumpster until the following morning. She got out once she heard cars and saw the break of daylight. The van wasn't there anymore. And within the day, my sister no longer lived in that apartment. She quickly squashed whatever beef she had with my parents, and they allowed her to move back into the house that afternoon. I love my sister dearly, and I'm very glad that she kept her wits during this whole encounter. Instead of just giving up when she fell into that trash receptacle, she kept her cool, and I believe that that act is what allowed her to still be here with us today. And although she's never verbally said it, I feel confident in saying it for her. To those two guys from the van with subpar hide-and-seek skills, I'm glad you never met my sister. Just over a decade ago, I was dating my first-ever girlfriend. We had just gone public and came out to our parents officially. At the time, I was 15, and she was 16 if memory serves. Both of us lived in accepting households and went to a rather open school. However, for whatever reason, when we went public, she went fully off the deep end for our final year together. I'll quickly mention that she was really abusive throughout the entire relationship. While my household was open, my home life wasn't exactly easygoing. It was abusive in its own right, so I had a hard time recognizing the danger I was in. It felt normal. But it got particularly bad this one evening, when she just snapped, I guess. I'm hesitant to attribute her behavior solely to a psychotic breakdown. I think she was actually an evil person. Genuinely. To summarize the lead up to this quickly, she had recently told me that she had, quote, seven souls living within her, all of which hated me. They were all men from the Victorian era, more or less. She had lost herself to these men, and as each one emerged, she would abuse me in a unique way. I'm going to give them aliases, even though they're not real in my opinion. I'm still afraid of her, and them, I guess. Duke liked to choke me in my sleep. Harold hit me. Hans would try to cut me with knives when I was sleeping. Theo would ignore me and give me the silent treatment. Gerald would force himself on me while I slept. Tim would pick apart my appearance and bully me. But Alex... Alex was the worst. And he was the entity I had to deal with the most towards the end. Alex was the one present this evening. He'd play paranormal activity and torment me with the creepiest you've ever seen. He would sing in the corner of the room in the dark, mutter to himself constantly, smile at me while saying things like, you'll die soon, or you don't have to fear me when I'm unarmed. He was also into knives and sharp things, never self-harmed, but would often try to harm me. 
He'd also convinced me that if I ever left him, he'd kill me. I was 15, like I said, so I believed it. You may be wondering at this point where our parents were in all of this. My parents had just freshly divorced and custody was being settled. I stayed at my partner's place on the weekends and during some weekdays due to it being, quote, safer. Things were so messed up in my own. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. ...household that it genuinely seemed safer at the time. This is also where my hesitancy comes in with the legitimacy of their psychosis. Whenever their parents were around, they'd snap right out of it, like a light switch... They could turn the crazy off and on just like it was nothing, which makes me think they did this with the intention of harming me, not as a cry for help. Fast forward to the afternoon that it all happened. My final straw. We were downstairs. My girlfriend slash Alex and myself were watching TV. Their parents were going to be out for the whole day, and upstairs was their older sibling who was pretty much a complete hermit, kept to their room with soundproof headphones on. Well... Alex also hated this person, for no real reason. I was sitting at the downstairs kitchen table working on some homework, when I hear Alex start humming in the corner. I turn around and ask if they're okay. They do the creepy smile and nod thing. I went into freeze mode, and just went back to my own homework while keeping a close, but discreet eye on them. It always got bad for me when I reacted, but I had a feeling they were about to have an outburst. They started walking over to the kitchen, still humming, but there was a shake in their voice that I hadn't heard before. I looked up slowly and saw they were taking a large paring knife from the knife block. I remember my adrenaline started to kick in, and I looked around for ways to defend myself if the worst were to happen. But to my surprise, they started walking away from me, not towards me. I watched them walk down the hallway and towards the stairs before they exclaimed, I'm going to f***ing kill you. I could only presume to their sibling. Something came over me, and before I knew it, I was booking it up the stairs trying to stop them as they started running, knife in hand, up the stairs. I grabbed their pant leg and pulled them down a few steps. We both collapsed as their sibling opened their bedroom door to ask what was going on. Alex at this point turned around and struck me with a knife, leaving a gash on my arm. I retreated back downstairs as they calmly called out to their sibling, Nothing. Just tripped. I'm okay, but thanks for checking. I ran to the kitchen downstairs, texted my mom to come get me, and began cleaning and bandaging my arm. Alex returned at this point, and as soon as we made eye contact, they dropped the knife. They walked into the kitchen and sat on the floor, 
and started singing to themselves while rocking back and forth. I was stunned, literally going into shock. I stared at them, bloody tissues in hand, and informed them that I was done with this bullshit, and I was going to wait outside for my mom to come get me. They began crying through the song like they were singing, still smiling like a maniac. I never went back after that. I broke up with them over the phone. They sobbed and told me they'd get rid of their, quote, souls, and that she still loved me. But I didn't listen. I just hung up, and that was that. She even dropped out of school. Never saw her again after that. Years later, I found out that she started dating this friend of hers who I was also familiar with as a teenager. Then found out she was cheating on me with them for the entire time of our relationship. I've tried to feel bad for her for years, but honestly, I'm still healing from the several attempts at my life. It's hard to feel bad for an abuser, let alone an attacker. When I was 19, I worked nights at this shitty hotel chain in my hometown, and it was generally a pretty chill job. You'd get your run-of-the-mill weirdos and creeps, but I can handle my own, and I got used to it pretty quickly. However, this guy was way worse than anything I had encountered up until that very point. It was an average night. I spent it checking guests in, doing laundry, stocking supplies, etc., there were two sets of doors at the entrance, the inner ones being locked after the night shift starts. But this dude shows up about 3am and rings me through the lobby phone set between the two doors. Immediately, before I can even get my customer service voice on, he starts frantically demanding I call medical transport, which I didn't really know what he was talking about, but I try to help him the best that I can, asking questions, things like that. Eventually, I just let him in so I can get a better idea of how I can help him. But when I do, his whole tone immediately changes. He starts speaking in this monotone voice and has this sort of dead-eye stare. I've never seen eyes so void of all emotion. And not to mention, he had no visible physical signs of injury. At all. Obviously, I was freaked out, but I tried my best to carry on normally asking him more questions. After the first few questions, he stops answering completely and continues his stare. I just keep repeating myself over and over, but all he's doing is staring right through me. At this point, I'm pretty fed up with what's going on, so I say, all right, man, I'm just going to call 911 to get you help. He then starts getting frantic again, going between begging me not to call and saying, they won't let me go and I can't go back there. I tell him that I'm really not sure how I can help him if he won't let me call 911. Plus, it didn't even seem like he needed medical assistance in the first place, so he needs to leave. This guy goes right back to ignoring everything I say, but continues his staring. Honestly, I know I should have just called the police right then, but I was overwhelmed by him and his presence, and getting police involved is always the last resort for me. So I say... Look, you can rest here on the lobby couch for 20 minutes if you need to find a way to leave. Then you need to go. I say this and then head into the back to watch him on the cameras. 20 minutes come and go, and I come out to tell him that he needs to bounce. But that's when he starts arguing nonsensically. I leave him to his ranting before I head back in exasperation. 
This cycle then repeats for the next two hours. Finally, I tell him, dude, I'm calling the cops. To which he replies, well, if you're going to be like that, I'll just leave. At this point, 5 a.m., that shit was comical. I'm like, please do. I've wanted that this whole time. I was so done with him, so I was basically yelling. He finally leaves, and I did call the cops and ended up reporting him as well. The freakiest part was that while telling my boyfriend at the time about this guy, he actually knew who I was talking about from the description of his creepy-ass stare. My boyfriend pulls out his phone, and after a quick Google search, pulls up a photo of this mugshot with charges for rape, aggravated SA, and a bunch of other stuff. My boyfriend had worked at a homeless shelter for some years at that point, and had seen this guy from time to time. But after that, I felt so lucky that he was just a weird creepy annoyance for me, and not much worse. Who knows what could have gone down, had the circumstances been just a little different that night.